Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planners Financial Services member FINRA SIPC, guides clients with empathy in discovering and reaching their financial goals and creates financial plans for clients so they can live their life by design. In these episodes, he relates his expert financial insights and discusses timely topics. Royal strives for excellence and has a passion for sharing his knowledge and supporting his community. Now, on to the show. Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Good morning, Royal. How are you doing today? Good morning, Eric. I'm doing well. How are you doing? Fantastic. It is, uh, it's, you know, that fall season, so it's kind of time for some ice and snow and all that stuff here. I know that you don't get as much there, but what, what's it looking like? Yeah, you know, it's it's a nice, beautiful fall that we're having. We usually don't get too much ice and snow where we're at, maybe a day or two a year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So so we don't have too much to worry about. I know where you're at. You really get it there in the Midwest. So Yeah, it's, it's something that has taken its toll on my driveway, Royal. I have to buy a new driveway. <laughs> Seriously, the salt and stuff that we add to it, just mm-hmm. so the ice melts and, you know, we get the snowblower out there and it's, you know, chipping away at it. <laughs> But that's the joys of home ownership, right? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's all up to you to keep it up and uh, <laughs> keep it uh, nice and modern and with all the uh, comforts of home. Exactly. And I know that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about home ownership. And I'm curious why you chose this topic. You know, I think it's just such a, an important and essential topic when it comes to financial planning is looking at home, home, home ownership and where it fits into the financial plan as a way of building wealth, of creating stability and security for your family. So uh, I thought we'd just kind of spend some time and kind of talk through that. I know I've uh, owned a number of homes in, in my life, and right now just looking at, I was talking to my wife last night about it, of, you know, I'm not thinking of the next home we're going to buy, which is nice. We, we, we were in a home where it's like, okay, we can we have enough space to grow into this. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're adding another, uh, child here in the next month or two. That's right. Very exciting. So yeah, like we, we have enough space for them. I and mean, I know in, you know, previous houses, it's been, it's gotten tight much quicker than we expected. So we, we knew we had to move to somewhere with a little bit more space, a little bit more, uh, creature comforts and that sort of thing. I love the contrast Royal, because I'm on the back end of that stage where now mm-hmm. I have a house that's probably too much room. I don't, I don't need quite this many rooms because all my kids are out of the house. Uh, now we do have one of the bedrooms dedicated to the grandbabies. You know, that's their room and slides and all sorts of things in that room for them to play with. Yeah. I'm I, sure I, you I, sneak in there occasionally and play well, with them you're not there. You know, once I reinforced it, you know, <laughs> the slide that is, you, know, you just don't want to yeah. crush it for him. But yeah, yeah. It, it just looking at. I am, we are looking at that next home. You know, we'd like a, a, a ranch, for instance. I don't want this many stairs. I've got three flights of stairs in my house and, and my knees are saying, you know what? <laughs> Maybe. Now, now you want a ranch style or you want a, like a full working ranch? Oh, good Lord. No. <laughs> I mean, I would, I love <laughs> the idea of a ranch, but not me working it Royal. <laughs> I'd love right. to look out and see right. horses every day, but not have to do all the work involved with that. No, it just a, yeah, a one level home with a basement, you know, because here in Nebraska, you've got those occasional tornadoes that you got to mm-hmm. plan for, but yeah, home ownership is a beautiful thing. I love it. I, I am absolutely in love with owning my home, but it's interesting to see that you are growing into one and you've got that space. And then now I'm, I'm looking to downsize a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And, and really when we talk about home, home ownership and 
paying off a home. Oftentimes, sometimes people get hung up on the idea of, oh, wait, this isn't the, my forever home, mm-hmm. or there's going to be a change at some point, that sort of thing. What I'm really trying to get people to is the idea of once you get to retirement, having a home that is paid off is really, I think, kind of the number one thing I see for my most successful clients. Mm-hmm. They've put in the hard work and the dedication of, hey, we got this place paid off. Now, maybe they've moved, maybe they've upgraded or downgraded, depending on their own situation, but they, they've built up enough equity in, in their home to really not have to worry about a mortgage payment in retirement. And that's really, in my opinion, one of the most important things we can look at when building a financial plan. So we, we kind of touched on you know, some of the things, the stability and security of just owning a home. If we look at the demographics of American wealth, so much of American wealth is tied up in a, an individual or a couple's primary residence. Mm-hmm. So the mechanism when you buy a home, you know, I think a lot of people start off with, hey, we're going to put down you know, 3 or 5%. Some who are a little bit more dedicated, a little bit more frugal might even be able to come in and, and put down 20%. You know, we love to see people being able to do that, but sometimes there's just situations where, listen, we just need to get into a place. It's time. Let's let's get into it. Uh, we know we're we we probably need to stay here a little bit longer to build up equity before we move. But we we love to see people buy that first home and then start char- start chunking away at that mortgage payment. So one of the big things I see people look at is renting versus buying. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I can counsel people on is when is renting appropriate? When is buying appropriate? In my opinion, kind of early on in life, especially as you may be ma- making changes on, you know, your career, where you live, that sort of, sort of thing, renting can be extremely appropriate. If you think that you're going to be there, let's just say less than three years, oftentimes renting is probably the better option. Because remember, there are some costs associated with selling a home, you know, realtors fees, closing costs, that sort of thing, which can add up to, you know, anywhere from, you know, six to 8% of the total value of the home. So that can put you underwater if you're only going to stay in a home, you know, two to three years. So that's really where renting comes into play is if you're not looking to put down roots where you're at or if there is a large advantage of renting versus buying. You know, one of the nice things uh, that you have as a renter is you don't have to pay for any repairs. You don't really have to pay for any major maintenance. Whereas if you're a homeowner, you know, especially if you buy a fixer up, you know, you're writing a check every month to somebody to fix something or you're spending your weekends doing it yourself. Mm -hmm. So, Early on in life, or if you're in that transitional period, renting's great. But if you're looking at being someplace, you know, longer than three years, especially if you if you have no plans of moving in the next five, that's really where buying makes a lot of sense, because you are you are paying a lot in interest there, but you are building equity. And you're buying an asset that historically has appreciated. You know, mm-hmm. if we if we look at real estate and what it's done over the long run, it's, it, it runs about 2% per year in appreciation. And that's kind of smoothing out the long-term averages. 
which isn't great if you're just you know buying a, a chunk of real estate and saying, hey, that's going to be all I do is just real estate. But where that's really powerful is with the leverage you're using to buy that. So let's say you put down $10,000 on a $300,000 home. You're, you're making that $2,000 a month payment. But what you've just done is you're leveraging yourself. You've put down $10,000 to buy an asset worth $300,000. And if it goes up 2% each year, that's about a $6,000 increase in the amount of the property and the value of the property. So mm -hmm. you've invested $10,000 and you're making almost a 60% return each year just on that appreciation. Now, if you put more down, those numbers, numbers change quite a bit, but that's really why home ownership in America, where you can borrow a fairly large sum of money, put it down on a house and control that, that value, that's where we see that, that long-term wealth building effect. Yeah, absolutely. I agree hundred percent. It's, it's nice to see that. And it, it, it's tough. I know that 08 and 09 is a whole different story because of the housing market, the bubble and all that jazz. But since then, I don't think it's really been all that rocky. Uh, it hasn't been. I mean, and, and there's really those periods of, you know, kind of smooth sailing. And then we, we might run into some, some issues. I think there, there could be a possibility for some of that, especially, you know, as we look around some of the markets, probably nothing on a national scale like we saw in 2008, but there's definitely pockets there. I know in, in New York City, we, we've really seen a pullback there in real estate values, just as with the COVID crisis, people are, are kind of reconsidering, hey, it's nicer to live by family. Hey, it's nicer not to be in a city of uh, 8 million people yeah. during a pandemic. So those types of localized changes in value will happen over time. Looking around here, we're seeing um, prices really go up. And I think some of that is just a supply factor with the fires we had oh. losing over 2,000 homes. That just creates a, a, a much larger demand while reducing supply. So here locally, we are seeing very small inventories, which is pushing prices up and a lot of demand for uh, long-term housing. Yeah, Royal, one thing that I never even really thought of before – I. I suppose it was probably during the hurricanes down in Houston, if you remember a few years back. Mm -hmm. One thing that drove housing prices up was the price of supplies, building supplies specifically. Mm -hmm. So when the hurricanes were hitting, and unfortunately I had a, a large project at my house that had to be done. I had a wall that needed to be replaced. And going and purchasing siding, insulation, even just OSB, plywood, the prices were so high during that time and they had changed so much in just a year because of the high demand of those building supplies being used in different areas of the country where disasters had happened like Houston. And yep. so just building new homes, right? I mean, the imagine the cost increase on building an entire new home because of all the supply increase, the uh, material increase existing homes that already have those materials sitting there, you know, right. All of a sudden they, you know, those prices go up too, because they're like, oh, well you it's, it's way more expensive to build a new home. So we have to raise the prices on the existing homes as well, or it just kind of fluctuates in the market that way. So that, that was a big surprise to me. Yeah. And that, that's really the market kind of correct, correcting that imbalance itself of mm -hmm. looking at this is how much it costs to buy a new or to build a new home that's going to going to affect demand and supply. Yeah. So 
you know, how do all those factors come in and affect the overall market? The other thing, you know, as we look at home ownership uh, as part of the financial plan, mm-hmm. one of the things we really look at, whether you have a mortgage or this would, this would really be comparing a mortgage versus someone who is renting in building a financial plan is you might say, okay, I'm, I'm 60, I'm 65 years old. Do I really want to borrow a large sum of money now for the next 30 years when I can just rent? I have a lot of flexibility, have a lot of freedom and just rent. The issue becomes inflation. When you take out a mortgage and assuming you're, you're on a fixed interest rate, you know exactly what that mortgage payment is going to be over the next 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's not true with rent. Even if yeah. you can uh, rent for less than what a mortgage would be, that rent over the next 30 years is going to go up. And depending on what markets you're in, it could go up quite a bit. Wow, that's a great point. And in, in here in here in Oregon, we had uh, some rules and regulations come out really trying to, to cap rents and the increases that, that we were seeing up in the Portland metro area, where basically, and, and uh, this, is, this, is, this is rough, but basically they capped the ability to raise rents to about 7% per year is the most you could uh, increase rents by. Mm-hmm. Even if someone is just increasing the rent by 7%, you know, you're going to see your rent double in 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's huge. That right there, the difference between buying a home and having that fixed mortgage payment versus the inflation of rents is, is really powerful when we look at financial plans. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, was ch- I was having a conversation with a friend who's, you know, in their 60s and, and just explaining that concept to them of just this, this is going to be the better long-term situation. And especially here on the West Coast, where we have a very tight rental market, the cost of rent is oftentimes more than the cost of, of a mortgage, mm-hmm. especially with interest rates as low as they are. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I, I want to give a shout out to all the landlords out there. I don't want people thinking that you know landlords are just out there rubbing their hands together going, oh boy, 7%. I can, I can raise it by 7% every year. There's a lot that goes into it. And one of the things is property taxes, right? Because when, when a city or state, when they raise property taxes, that raises the cost to the, to the homeowner. And therefore that is most likely going to be also related to the rent. The rent's going to have to go up to cover those costs. So I don't want people thinking that landlords are greedy. Those are some things that they have to consider as well. And, and property taxes, assessments and things like that, those are just strange, right? I I don't know in your Mm -hmm. area, Royal, but they just, yeah. I don't know if they throw a dart at a dartboard a lot of times, but they just kind of choose at <laughs> random how much your property tax is going to be for the next year. How, the value of your home all of a sudden goes up by $35,000. Oh, look at you. You get to pay more in taxes. Oh boy. <laughs> My favorite. Yeah, I just got, I just got a, a, an, an assessment for, for uh, one of the homes I own and it was about a $90,000 increase in value. And I was like, I didn't put $90,000 <laughs> yeah. into improvements on I, this property. But I added okay. that third kitchen I've always wanted. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Yeah. 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 Um, And I think the unintended consequence there is there's a a lot of landlords out there who really weren't weren't too concerned about raising rents, Mm -hmm. you know, every year. But now that there's a cap on how much you can increase it, they're just looking at it as like, well, that's what I'm going to have to increase it so I can keep the rents where they should be with the rest of the market. 
So I, I think seeing those, those higher rents is just something we're going to see across the board here for the f- foreseeable future. So when I'm sitting down with a client, looking at a financial plan and doing that planning for the future, one of my number one goals there is can we get the house paid off by the time they reach retirement mm-hmm. or shortly thereafter? Working with my clients, those who have their house paid off, it just changes them emotionally and mentally when they start planning for the future. Buying a house, it is something we recommend. We think it's important for wealth building, but having hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of debt that is attached to you and that you're responsible for takes a mental toll. Mm -hmm. And once that gets paid off, we just see people really kind of relax a little bit. They don't have that concern that, oh, I've got to make that mortgage payment. Oh, I owe the bank something. That's really powerful. And that's really where we try to get people to in retirement or at retirement. But what's really cool is seeing people who get that home paid off early. You know, I have a number of clients that through hard work and dedication are getting that home paid off, you know, before 50 or or around 55 you know, maybe they they took out that 15-year mortgage and just plunked away at it. Maybe they were just really diligent about paying extra on principal each month. Or maybe they inherited some money and were able to, to, to pay that off or, or were able to take, take a fair amount of money out of a business or the sale of stock to pay that off. So we just find that very, very powerful for the ability to continue building wealth for a client. Now, I know there's arguments out there, and, and they are valid, that say, well, you shouldn't pay any extra on your mortgage if you have a low interest rate. You should invest those dollars for, the, for something else. And well, well that, that is a little bit of a balancing act there. I just think that the ability to say, I am debt-free and I don't owe mm-hmm. anybody anything is very, very powerful to someone's sense of well-being. Yeah. So. We want to kind of come up with a plan for clients of how to balance those two arguments. I was sitting down with a, a client just recently, very, very kind of blue collar family. Mm-hmm. And we were kind of going over that. They're, they're at a point with their situation is both, uh, both of them are, both of the, 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 the husband and wife are, are working. Uh, they're doing fairly, fairly well for themselves. And there was a question of, should we put, be putting more money at retirement or should we work on getting the house paid off? And w- looking at the numbers, I could see that they were about 30 months. They just focused on paying off the house to having no debt at all. Mm. And in my mind, taking the next 30 months, just knocking out that debt really opened things up for them. Yeah. You know, and that was before they even got to the age of 50. So in building our, our plan for them, we really recommended, hey, just focus on this. Don't worry about putting anything else into your retirement accounts. Mm-hmm. Just focus on this one thing. They're putting a little bit already. So they're, they're, they're not putting every dollar towards the, uh, the mortgage. But by doing that, by the time 2023 rolls around, they'll be completely debt-free and still have another 15 to 20 years of work in front of them where they can build up those accounts and really just kind of remove that worry. It opens up a lot of different options for them to do that. So that's really, I think, one of the the funnest things we can do 
is help people see the opportunities they have in front of them that if they focus and work really hard for a short period of time, what can happen and then uh, show them what happens afterwards and what their options can be if they, they really do that. Hey, Royal, do you have access or do you utilize a calculator of some kind that can show people what it would, how it would affect their mortgage if they paid a little extra? Because from my understanding, if you're, you know, at the very first part of your loan, you're paying a ton in interest. We've talked about that. Mm -hmm. You're paying, Mm -hmm. you know, a ton in interest, very little toward the principal. I would assume it would be most beneficial to be able to pay a little extra every month at the very beginning of your mortgage loan and to be able to see that how that calculates out over the 30 years or the 20 years, depending on what mortgage you get. Obviously, that's also the hardest time in your life to pay extra toward a mortgage because you're young and and just purchasing a home. But do you have uh, some tools and resources that you can use to help people see what that would do for them? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's just part part of our planning that we go through to look at for our clients. Nice. When we sit down with a client, we can we can go over those numbers. The other thing I would encourage people to look at is there's so many options there on the term of the loan that you're getting that it might just make sense to to look at the difference between a 30-year and a 20-year loan. It's not as dramatic as moving to a 15-year loan, but that reduction in the the amount of years means you're just paying so much less interest mm-hmm. over the life of that loan. So mm-hmm. uh, that that's really, you know, I think some of the best advice is looking at, instead of looking to pay a little extra, just take a, a smaller term on it and kind of lock that in. The other part of planning for home ownership in retirement and having a mortgage is how much money do you need to have in a retirement account or an after-tax account? to pay for the mortgage. So when we look at that, just using kind of uh, back of the napkin math here, uh, using the 4% rule, meaning you can take 4% Mm -hmm. off of a sum of money for for the next 20 years, you would need to have uh, about $300,000 set aside to pay for a $1,000 mortgage. So if we look at that and just say, well, if we focus and get that mortgage paid off, that's $300,000 we don't need. Mm. You know, that's $300,000 that now is is opened up and, you know, can be used for other things versus just paying that mortgage. So especially, you know, for a couple coming in maybe 10 years from retirement, we really want to do that balancing act of focusing on how much can you save and then how much can we get the uh, mortgage paid down. Yeah. Wow. Huge difference. And, and finally, you know, I, I, I don't know if you need many more arguments for home ownership in retirement, but mm-hmm. what we see quite often is someone who didn't really plan for long-term care, which we, we spoke about last episode. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, what they're doing in the back of their mind is saying, oh, I have the home. If I ever need long-term care, we can sell that, which we see happen kind of quite often as the backup plan for long-term care of, okay, we need to move into an assisted living facility. We need to move into nursing care. That's really where we can sell the home, replenish the liquid assets, and pay for that care for another five or six years, depending on the value of the home. So just another argument for home ownership as an essential part of your financial plan. Yeah, absolutely. So many good points today, Royal. Anything else before we wrap up? I would say the big point is 
if you have questions about this, if you're looking to say, hey, how does this fit into my individual situation? Because everyone's situation is different. Let's have a conversation about it. And we can come up with kind of a best case scenario for you and yourself and your family of how to deal with it. So, you know, this isn't a cookie cutter conversation that we have with people. It really comes down to the specific facts of their specific situation. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the beauty of what you do. I mean, that's something that we've talked about on many podcasts is that you sit down and you find out all the things that uh, families try to accomplish, the hopes, goals, dreams, and knowing the ins and outs of all their finances, that helps you to help them paint the picture or put the puzzle pieces in place. It really gives them that clear picture of, of what they can do and what they can accomplish over the next 10, 20, 30, 40 years. Absolutely. Absolutely. Royal, again, such great information. And for those that are thinking about it and, you know, homeowners or, or people even just starting that journey of possible home ownership, if they'd like to have this conversation with you, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 772-1116, area code 541, or you can go to our website and just schedule a call right there at opfa.com. Always a pleasure, Royal. Thank you again for your time. Take care, Eric. You bet. And thank you for listening and tuning in to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planners Financial Services. Material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not meant to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. Securities offered through United Planners Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.